Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today as we talk about how you can have the maximum impact. Maximum impact in what your business does, in what you do in the world, and the maximum impact that you can make on this world. Whether you're talking about a business that you do for other businesses or a business that you do for people, um, all of the things that we do make such an impact in people. And we really want to talk today about making the maximum a maximum effort, yeah, like Deadpool says, but the maximum impact. Hi, my name is Steve. I am a third-generation minister, an international best-selling author of 22 books and counting, and I have the glorious privilege of having worked with more than 4,000 authors now to help them write publish, market their books to bestseller and beyond. You know, bestseller is only the beginning and there is so much more that you have to give and to share with the world. And I am so blessed to be part of that journey with the people and help them, guess what, make their maximum impact. That's right, it all tied back together. Sometimes you think that I actually do this on a regular basis or something, huh? So today we want to talk about the maximum impact. What is the maximum impact? Well, it shows up in a lot of different ways, you know. It's not so much that you have to go out and find something special to then, you know, come up with the cure for cancer or that kind of thing. Maximum impact is made from maximizing today. It's made by making the most out of today and by showing up as the best version of who you are right now today. You may be looking at ways that you can help people run their business better. And there are several different forms and uh, things that you can do that will help people run their business better. Um, You may be looking at ways to make people more comfortable, safer, happier, more financially successful. All of those kind of things come together to help you make the maximum impact in this world. That is so powerful. You know, and I've said it a million times, I'll probably say it a million more, and that'll just be this year. But it really is and does all boil down to maximizing while it's called today. What do I mean by that? I mean that there is this thing that we know of as the time we wake up till the time we go to bed each day. Now, we're just going to include any times you take naps inside of that one today, okay? Uh, Because it could get really confusing. But during that time, there is an absolute awesome opportunity for you to allow everything that was to go. You know, because even a minute ago is now in the past and you can't change it. You can ask forgiveness for things. You can make amends for things, but you have to move on from what was. And although we can make plans for and do the things that will impact tomorrow, again, 
tomorrow is something that's coming, but is not anything that we can take action on. The only time, the only spendable tender, as my friend Ernie Villanueva used to always say, is today. This is the day that we have that we can make the maximum impact on everybody we can come in contact with because we're focused on being the best us that we can be today. So maybe you blew it yesterday. Maybe yesterday was a horrendous day. Maybe tomorrow is going to be a crazy day. You can't control either of those. What you can do, even if five minutes ago was a bad time, is you can focus yourself on making the maximum impact in what you do right here and right now. So to help you with that, I've got three amazing business professionals who are going to come in, talk to you, and really share with you what they do in their business and how by them being who they are, they make a maximum impact on the world. So with that said, let's focus on being a thriving entrepreneur and listen to our first guest. Join me in welcoming Rachel Rennick. Hey, Rachel, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Yeah, so um, my name is Rachel Rennick. Uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Wethos, uh, which is a software platform that really helps freelancers start and also scale their businesses. So make it really easy for them to price projects, um, invoice their clients, and then if they're collaborating with other people, uh, actually send payments to one another. Um, I started this company like seven years ago now, I would say, and I used to work in advertising. Um, so I used to be a freelancer myself uh, and an art director. I shot a lot of uh, commercials. I did a lot of social and digital campaigns for big brands like CoverGirl and Hershey's. Um, and a couple of years ago, I actually left to start my own freelance studio. And then I realized how hard it was to scale a freelance business, um, which is what led to the software uh, that we built out internally, which is also what led to the platform that um, exists today. So you know, really working on a business where I just really intimately am familiar with the problems because, um, you know, I used to be my own customer. <laughs> mm, I absolutely love that. So, you know, here you are, you're working, you know, what most people would consider a pretty cool, pretty good job. Um, and you decide to just go out on your own. How, um, how cool and scary was that at the same time? <laughs> yeah, I know we should get my mom on here to, to give you the, to fill you in on that. Um, yeah. So when I quit in advertising, I was only 25, which is now I'm 32. So that sounds really crazy to me now. Um, but at the time, you know, one of the big reasons why we left my co-founder and I is because we were working on a bunch of different accounts inside of a big agency. And we really wanted to work on um, something that was more meaningful to us. We wanted to have more control over the types of projects, you know, that we were working on. And second to that, we were actually seeing that a lot of, um, we were losing a lot of accounts basically at being inside of this big agency. And it's because, you know, the big agency couldn't bring their costs down to meet their clients sort of where they were at for digital media. Um, they were very much used to more like traditional TV production. So we basically realized that like we were missing out on opportunities by being inside of that agency structure. And so with every risk, you know, there's always a trade-off. Um, I think in order to get the freedom to run things and do things the way that we wanted to, uh, the risk and the trade-off was like leaving that safety net. But at the end of the day, um, you know, actually a friend of mine, their mom said something to me that really stuck with me. It still sticks with me to this day. And she said, if you're going to fail, fail young. Because you don't have anything to lose, basically. You know, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have kids. And if you're going to take a risk and do something crazy, like you're 25, you might as well. Um, you might as well do it now. And I think that 
that is something that not enough people do, I guess. Um, I think they just wait too long because of the fear of failure, and then they never end up actually trying to begin with. Uh, so it was definitely scary, but the freedom that comes with it, I think, um, was just so much more meaningful to me. That is absolutely great advice. Um, I would also add to that, um, when you're young is when you should work, you know, multiple jobs and really kill yourself and work all day and all night so that when you're older, you can afford to not do it as opposed to getting towards the end of your life and then still having to have to work 60, 80 hours a week because, um, you know, you didn't work when you were totally. younger. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, like I definitely spent my 20s putting in a lot of hours um, to, to build the business. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I had so much more energy back then anyways. Um, and I think that at that like time in my life, you know, you can sort of figure out a way to have it all and that, you know, I could still have friends, I can still work on the business a lot. But I think as you, um, you know, go through life and there's more and more pressure and there's more and more to lose, basically, it just gets harder and harder for people to take that leap. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like, um, the reverse is certain, certainly an interesting argument, but I think if you can really put in the time up front, uh, it can really pay off later. Yeah, I mean, we look back at the times when we were in our 20s and we're like, oh my gosh, if only. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. <laughs> I don't miss it though. I like my 30s. They're fun. They're good. Yeah, They're stable. Absolutely. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. So uh, give us an, some insight into the kind of things you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, sure. So our company is a venture-backed company. Um, I always forget to mention this, but uh, you know we've raised about $14 million um, for the company to date, and we support about 80,000 freelance businesses on the platform. Um, on the day-to-day, -day, I am basically spending all of my time either in like sort of external-facing communications um, to promote the product, uh, to, whether that is to raise money from investors or to drive revenue. Um, or to even secure, you know, strategic partners, as well as, uh, you know, supporting my co-founder on the product side. So she runs product um, and I come from a design background. So I'm more influenced, I would say, the user experience than anything else. Um, but for the most part, we sort of divide and conquer in that way. She's running more of like engineering and product. Um, and I'm definitely more on like the marketing and sales side, uh, which tends to lean into our strengths um, overall. Right now, most of my time is being spent... Um, launching our new subscription, which we actually just announced a couple of days ago. And that's been really, really exciting. We've just developed a bunch of features that we hope is going to help people take the guesswork out of freelancing. Uh, a lot of people, in fact, almost everybody I talk to, sort of using a lot of guesswork to run their freelance business. And it's not their fault. Um, it's really a complicated business. It's hard to pull down all the data and the metrics from all these different sources to understand you know, basic things about your business, like profitability. Um, and so a lot of them are sort of running or really operating in the dark, which is a super hard way to run a business. So a lot of the features that we've introduced are um, pricing recommendations based on what your peers are charging, uh, you know, pre-built and pre-scoped uh, proposal templates. So you can really get a full, you know, project breakdown right off the shelf. Um, and then the ability to sort of customize all of those things as well as uh, send invoices and accept payments. Um, and so our whole thing right now, my big focus has been, you know, how do we help more freelancers break six figures? Um, because when we really look at that market size, um, it's just, there's so many of them in the US and 95% of them are not yet breaking six figures. Uh, so that's kind of where my focus has been over the you know last few years, but especially over the last couple of months is just giving people the tools, the data and the resources that they need to thrive, um, not just survive as a freelancer, you know. 
Now, all those different metrics you're talking about all so important. I hope everybody was listening. Um, are those things that you then do you manually for them or do you have like apps and AI uh, type of things that you've already created for them or how does it usually work? Yeah, so we have a whole software platform. Um, it's fully like self-onboarding end to end. Uh, you can sign up, you can create an account. And from there, you can really explore a huge library of templates. So basically we've curated you know, thousands of individual services with price points, um, hundreds of templates from social media strategy to like website rebuilds and redesigns to like mobile app development uh, to help people structure those proposals and make sure they're accurately pricing. Um, and then uh, from there, you can also send those invoices and you can actually set up a payments account on the platform, which has an embedded bank account where you can accept invoice payments directly into that bank account. Uh, so you don't have to go around like transferring money in and out of different things. Um, it all can sort of live in one place. So the big thing I think that is missed by today's products, especially when it comes to like a freelance or service-based business, is that there are very unique challenges to these businesses. When you're a service-based business, you're selling something that hasn't happened yet. So every time you put a quote together, it's an estimate. It's exactly what it is, right? This is what I think is going to happen. And then you bill, you invoice your clients, typically looking back based on what has already happened. So now I'm sending invoices and now I don't know necessarily if I'm making or losing money until it's too late to do anything about it. So these two systems, um, everywhere else sort of in the world, they are designed with two different things in mind. When in reality with a service-based business, those two parts of the business are actually the biggest drivers of profitability. Um, it's not just like literal cash flow in and out. It's actually like bookings. What do I have coming down my pipeline? What am I pricing it at? And then billings. Um, what am I actually sending invoices and billing at? And without that feedback loop of, hey, you know, you're pricing websites at $20,000, but you're actually billing them at $30,000. There's a lot of scope that is changing throughout. Maybe you should start charging $30,000. Um, that type of feedback loop is basically impossible to get anywhere else today. Uh, so that's really like the types of things that we focus on. And we always like to say like, our tools, we don't care about your productivity. We're not even really trying to make you more productive, to be totally honest. We're trying to make you more profitable. And so everything that we do is really focused on, like, where is the money? How much am I getting? And can I get it faster? Um, and that, to me, is, is really where the pain is for these businesses. Mm, I love that. Uh, maximize all of the money that you're getting for the people and stop spending your money on crazy, stupid things that aren't making you more money. <laughs> love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> So with all those things you described, it sounds like something that people are now saying, oh my gosh, that's got to be really expensive. I could never afford it. Can you give us an idea, you know, what something like that costs a person to use? Yeah. And this is the really exciting part for me because we specifically made the price point really accessible. So it's almost like agency level software, but it, it's only $15 a month with us pro is. So we have like a starter tier where you can, um, you know, have one project and explore the platform totally for free. And then $15 a month, if you want to have access to the pricing data, um, you know, the templates, uh, some of the additional tools and advanced automations around invoicing. Um, and the reason really for that is because when you look at the market today, there's 70 million freelancers just in the U.S. alone, projected to be the majority of the workforce by 2027, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, and so when we look at that segment, there is the largest portion, about 39 million of them are freelancing on the side. Um, about 20 million of them are full-time freelancers. And then there's about four to 5 million people who are quote unquote, high earning independence. They're earning over hundred K a year. A lot of those people are really more like small studios. Um, that's how a lot of people end up breaking six figures is by 
subcontracting with friends and winning bigger projects. Um, and so when we think about it, like we didn't want to anchor our pricing too high because we basically want to give an army of freelancers the tools and the resources that an agency might have. Um, and so our whole goal is if we can make it easier for people to run their business and grow their business and ultimately even collaborate and team up with others, then how many more people might be doing it and how many more people might be breaking six figures. So that sort of end goal here for the software is really more around you know, helping people scale up with other people. But at the end of the day, um, we wanted to make sure that the platform would be accessible to a wide range because the more people that are using it, the better it gets for everybody. Um, and I know that, you know, there are a lot of softwares out there charging $100, $200 a month. Um, charging that would just eliminate a huge potential market. And we really want to go wide with this. Our goal is really to become more like the Shopify. Um, just that our people don't have, don't have that kind of tooling, <laughs> our entrepreneurs. I love it. So, uh, you know, for the person who wants to jump on it, uh, tell us where can they, you know, where can they get in contact with you and, and jump onto your system? Yeah. So you can just go to our website, wethos.co, W-E-T-H-O-S dot C-O. Um, you can also Google our name. You'll find us right away. Um, and you can sign up right there. Um, it'll take you less than 10 minutes to get set up, add your branding, start exploring templates, um, and you'll be off to the races. So super easy. Um, if anybody wants to try it out for 30 days free, I'm happy to share a referral code and, um, you know, we can get, get everybody up and running and, and see how it goes. I love it, Rachel. That's cool. So before I let you go, uh, give us some words of encouragement to the freelancers out there that are struggling a little bit um, about how they can do it and make it successful. Totally. I would absolutely love to do that. The first thing I would say just generally is that I just talk to so many freelancers all the time. And if you're feeling like you don't know what you're doing or you're doing it wrong, just know that everybody feels that way. And just know that everyone feels that way because there really isn't, quote unquote, a right way to do it. Um, so I would say like my first piece of advice is just like cut yourself a little bit of slack and also realize that everybody else is making up as they go along. That's true in the world, but that is really true in this space. And if you found a process or something that works for you, there is no reason not to stick to that, um, as well as, frankly, sharing it out with other people. Um, because I think the more that people can share resources with each other, the better off like everybody is really. This is kind of about collective action, right? Um, so that's my, my first piece of advice. Um, and then my second piece of advice is when it comes to pricing, I've learned my lesson the hard way. Sometimes undervaluing yourself can really lose opportunities. And so I think everybody should always be looking at how much they're charging with honestly, every new client, how much you're charging every year, new year, like, should we be raising our prices across the board and just take those opportunities to, you know, figure out like, what are people really willing to pay? Because at the end of the day, you have to try to take the price tag off of yourself. Like how much am I worth? And you have to try to put the price tag on the work itself. How much is this work worth to this potential client? And the price in basic economics is frankly, just what people are willing to pay. And so I think that there's a lot of unnecessary complexities with like location and experience and just things that are really hard to quantify and things that are constantly changing because you're a human person. Um, and so I think my big thing around pricing is to just try to step away from that, try to remove the sort of emotional aspect of thinking about, you know, how much should I charge, which really sometimes comes down to like, how much do I think I'm worth? which can cause people to, unfortunately, like really, really undercharge. 
Um, so I would just highly recommend, you know, thinking about it in a way of what is this logo or what is this thing worth to my client um, or what might, what results might it produce and what might that be worth to my client um, and think about your pricing that way versus trying to justify necessarily like what you yourself personally think that you can charge. Um, and then the last thing is advice I give to every entrepreneur, regardless of the business, which is just keep going. Um, it's a hard game. You're going to have tons of ups and downs. That's just with any kind of business and it's normal. Uh, don't let it shake you. And if you really feel like you're building momentum and you have a base of customers that really love what you're selling, that's the only validation that you need. Uh, it doesn't even have to be constant, but if you're able to make a client happy, um, there's no reason to not keep you know stepping up to the plate and keep taking a swing at it. Um, and there's no shame in going back to a full-time job and hustling on the side or going full-time. There's no shame in rotating in and out of those things. Um, I think too many people see that as failure and in reality, I think that's just life. So if it works for you, get after it and uh, just keep going. Well, I absolutely love that. Rachel, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Yeah, thank you. Having the ability to get your payments on time, control your finances, what an impactful thing you can do. And Rachel took what she did, took what she knew, and then she used it to make a maximum impact in the world and more importantly for the freelancers that she works with and now her company helps people make their maximum impact in the world by being free from some of those things that Rachel's company helps them get done. What a great way to live as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take a commercial break and then we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Hi, my name is Steve Kidd. I am a third-generation minister, an international best-selling author of multiple books, and I help people write, publish, and market their books to bestseller. In fact, there are literally thousands of people that have used the system that I created to be able to write, publish, and market their books, and now they're best-selling authors, and you're next. I just wanted to come on for a minute, say hi to you, tell you a little bit about me, introduce myself and tell you, I know the world is waiting on your message. And I would be so honored to be part of sharing your message with the world. Go to AskStevekid.com and schedule a time to talk today. Steve, welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. We're talking about making the maximum impact. How can you be the best you you can be today? How can you make the maximum impact on the people you're meant to serve, on the people that you reach, on the things that you do? What can you do so that you know you're having the maximum impact? I know that's what all of us want to do. We want to, in our own little way, change the world. And I hope that as we listen to these amazing business people and the things that they do in the world, it isn't something that we have to be like, oh, I need to go do that. But rather it's inspiring to us to be like, well, you know, maybe we do need that service. But also additionally, thinking in our own business, what can I do 
to make the maximum impact and to live every day as a thriving entrepreneur. Let's jump into our next guest. Join me in welcoming Jermaine Cheatham. Hey, Jermaine, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great, Steve. How are you, man? I am doing really good, thanks. So first off, tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Yeah, so I am a finance broker. And so what I do is I help businesses get loans from different banks around the country. And so what I also am doing now is helping regular people that want to get into entrepreneurship and want to escape their nine to five rat race become uh, finance brokers as well. So I teach them my exact methodology. I teach them my systems, my mindset, and exactly what I do from A to Z so they can get the same results. Because at the end of the day, without financial freedom, you really can't obtain all the other freedoms you want in life. So that is the first stepping stone to me as far as how a human can self-actualize is you got to unchain from your financial shackles. So this is the way for people to make a lot of money and uh, in a very lucrative industry. So when it comes to finance, um, what are some of the things that we need to know so we know when it's the right time and when it's actually the wrong time to bring in financing? Uh, well, as far as um, what, what kind of financing you're talking about, because I only do um, business to business, business financing. Your business, yes. Yes, business to business financing. So you know, we specialize in financing capital equipment. So if you're a business that needs equipment, which most businesses do, it always makes sense to finance because why would you pay Uncle Sam for equipment when you can actually finance it and takes a, take a huge tax deduction? So you have two choices, throw away your money to Uncle Sam or reinvest it in your business. So when we then finance it, what are some of the advantages of financing it rather than if you have the capital just you know laying the money out to begin with? Well, there's a couple of rules. Number one rule for cash is cash is king, obviously. So you only pay cash for things that appreciate. You never pay cash for a depreciating asset. So equipment obviously is a depreciating asset. The only thing you pay cash for is like human capital, a marketing and uh, a, a, a marketing plan or a marketing um, strategy. Um, but as far as like equipment that depreciates, that you just use it for its actual utility, you always finance that because again, it's a tax shelter. So you get the section 179 tax deduction. So that would be the rule of thumb on that. I love that. So we have both the depreciation that we can write off on our taxes. We have the interest. Um, and then sometimes there's other parts of, depending on what the thing is that we can also put off on our taxes. That's a pretty good way of uh, saving some tax money. Exactly. Yeah. Because if you're making money in your business, you're going to need more deductions. So, and you're going to also, if you're making money, that means there's more demand. More demand means you need more equipment. And so it's kind of a perfect marriage with you know, the tax deduction and the need to finance equipment. So when it comes to getting financed, do you typically recommend to people that they finance under their own credit or do you typically try to help them be able to establish credit for the business so it's the business financing it? No, so we're credit-based lenders. So all of our credit decisions are based on the credit of the owner of the business. So we, as long as, because our methodology is if you pay your bills on time as 
a person, as an individual, there's a high likelihood you also pay your business bills on time too. So we basically just make our decisions based on your FICO score and that's it. All right. And so we're talking about, again, you know, real property, capital equipment, those kind of things, not just, I had this wild idea. Let me go out and borrow a whole bunch of money and hope that it works. Exactly. See that this is the, the, the crux of why the equipment finance niche is so perfect because this is all equipment that's essential for businesses to operate. So the chances of them ever defaulting on these loans are slim to none because they have to have this equipment in order to operate. This isn't like some, I need 30 grand to hopefully open a business and hopefully it's successful. No, this is already a business that's established that needs X, Y, and Z equipment in order to operate. So just the different level of certainty for not only us and also for banks, they love these deals because it's essential equipment, obviously. So, and this would technically qualify as a secured loan because they're still doing it against the equipment, even though it's a depreciating asset when they loan it that way, that's how they consider it, correct? Exactly. The, the equipment is the collateral. Perfect. All right. And then you said the other side of it is you're now actually teaching people how to be able to do what you're doing. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I mean, I've been doing this business since 2003 and I've done over $50 million in loans. And so on a trip to uh, Europe with my mom about five years ago, I took her there for her 60th birthday and I realized I want to enjoy Europe. I don't want to be working. So I put together all these SOPs and all these automations and you know bells and whistles to make sure I could enjoy Europe without me having to work. And so then when I got back to the States, I realized there's nothing special about me. I have no special skills. Anybody can do this. Just nobody knows this is even a, a business model that exists. Most people think that people just go to the bank to get loans. And there's millions and millions of billions of deals out there that use people like me as a middleman to broker these loans to different lending institutions. And so now I'm just trying to get people that want to es escape you know, they're either their current business that, that's not working for them or want to escape their nine to five and actually, you know, do this as a, a business loan broker in this equipment space and give them all my SOPs and all my A to Z knowledge. And they can actually just copy my blueprint. And do you typically look for people who already have some sales experience or what kind of people do you prefer to have come in and work with you or so I really have two different types of avatars. There's people that are already in the financial services space that are a little bit more savvy. They kind of understand how financial services work. But then there's also the other half of my clientele that joined my program are people that are just sick and tired of working for a boss. They're tired of the corporate grind, especially post-COVID. They have a taste of that freedom and they want to build a business on their own, a solopreneur business, a one-person business that gives them the financial freedom, the time freedom, and the location freedom that this does. And so I kind of have those two different avatars and I can teach them both what would I do because what I do is not rocket science. It's not financing. It's not math. It's purely just relationships because the way we structure our deals and the way we get our deals is we don't chase businesses that need financing. We don't chase them down or waste our time there. All we do is simply partner with equipment sellers. So this could be equipment resellers, equipment dealers, equipment manufacturers, and we just partner with them and they bring us our deals 
that are ready to sign. They do all the selling for us. They tell the client what the payment's going to be. They do everything. And we just basically partner with them. So it's a very seamless process. Realistically, what kind of time frame is it from the time that somebody starts until they're fully trained um, and able to go out and start working on their first deals? Well, from the time they're fully trained, I'm talking about you can finish this in five hours. So this is not rocket science. You can start reaching out to equipment sellers within the first couple of days and start developing those relationships and start getting deals in the door that we help you get funded. So um, it's a matter of a couple of days getting really up and running and, and ramped up. Um, trying not to, at this point, pull back the curtain too far for you, but um, do most equipment sailors not have in-place financing like car dealerships do or? Most of them actually do have financing in place, but they are very blase blah to whoever they use. They really don't care. And if you notice, most of the newer sales reps, they actually want a one-to-one -one relationship. They don't want to be a number the way the old guard of sales reps used to be. The old sales reps used to be, oh, we work with Bank of America, we work with Wells Fargo, and they're just a faceless, faceless person. There, there's no relationship there. The new blood of sales reps that sell the equipment, they want to actually have a one-to-one -one relationship with somebody. So many of the people that we talk to that are the equipment sellers, they say, yeah, I use X, Y, and Z, but you know, I'm open for other options. I would love to you know, work with you directly because you know, a lot of times they're not responsive. A lot of times they really don't try to find a home for my deals. So there's always a way in. Either you position yourself as number two and wait for an opportunity or a lot of people are just kind of open to other options and trying stuff out. So I always you know, teach this idea of you always are a thief. You're never a teacher. So if someone says, yes, I use somebody, but I'm open for other options, that's who you want to steal from the number one source. And now you are the number one source. You never want to try to teach somebody why equipment financing is smart uh, as a way to sell more equipment because those people are just going to waste your time. So um, always be a thief, never a teacher. Well, that's perfect. So what you said it takes about five hours, but what kind of an investment are we looking at? Or is it something that you get paid on the backside from what they, they finance or how is that work so that a person that wanted to do it could jump in? Yeah, so they would just uh, go to my website, which is craterslearn.com. And I have a 17 minute training that explains exactly the business model, how it works and how they would be paid. And then from there, we would partner with them. So they knew exactly what they needed to do A to Z and get them up and running. And we have you know, a guarantee that they'll make at least $10,000 in the first 90 days. And um, it's just a, a very no brainer offer. So um, I welcome anybody that is interested in this type of model that they may or may not have heard of to check it out. And give us that URL to go to again. Yeah, so it's creators, like creators of the universe, creatorslearn.com. C-R-E-A-T-O-R-S-L-E-A-R-N.com. You got it. That's correct. All right. Well, before you go, uh, give us some words of encouragement about how possible it would be for somebody, whether as a side business or as a new business for them, to do this. Well, I'm, I'm not special. Um, 
I'm, I'm a guy with the last name of Cheatham. And if I'm able to do $50 million in equipment sales with the last name of Cheatham in the sales business and in the finance business, then anybody can do this. The, the, the rule of this game is really consistency. If you're consistent and you put forth two or three hours of work a day, anybody in the world can do this. Again, this is not selling. This is not finance. This is just developing relationships with other humans that you have a personal relationship with, that they send you your, their business, that you help them with, and you get paid handsomely for it. So um, if, if, if you can be consistent and you're friendly, you can do this. I love that. Well, Jermaine, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Great. Thanks, Steve. I love how Jermaine said, you know, of course, really, when you're doing that kind of thing, you need to have financing. Why wouldn't you want to finance it? I love that because I do think that there are certain times when financing becomes or is perceived as being something bad. And yet there are a lot of times in business where really maximizing financing, uh, you know, using what we used to call other people's money is the best way to make the maximum impact. And in then doing that, it frees you up to be able to do the things that you know you're supposed to, you need to, and even that you want to do to maximize your impact in the world, to really, really make a difference and be all that you can be in this world. Um, it's another great way to look at and also a pretty awesome business opportunity for those of you who might be looking for something like that. And in all in all, it's a great way to live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Steve Kidd. I am a third generation minister, an international best-selling author of multiple books, and I help people write, publish, and market their books to bestseller. In fact, there are literally thousands of people that have used the system that I created to be able to write, publish, and market their books, and now they're best-selling authors, and you're next. I just wanted to come on for a minute, say hi to you, tell you a little bit about me, introduce myself, and tell you... I know the world is waiting on your message, and I would be so honored to be part of sharing your message with the world. Go to AskStevekid.com and schedule a time to talk today. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. Today, we're talking about maximum impact. How can we maximize while it's called today? What can we do to make the biggest difference in this world? We've talked about Rachel and her company and how they help freelancers with their payment options. And we talked about Jermaine and he has a great system for people who are not only looking for work, but more importantly for people who need financing on their equipment and a great approach to it. Um, and both of those are great ways that their business is maximizing 
what they do and who they help and how they can help them. And we've got one more great guest here that has a way that she maximizes in the world, makes the best out of the day, both for you as well as for all the people who come in contact with everything that she does. I love that because I know more than anything else when we touch other people, it's what helps us live as a thriving entrepreneur. Let's jump into our next guest. Join me in welcoming Blima Aaron Troy. Hi, Blima. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing really great. Thanks. So first off, tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Okay, so my name is Blima, and I am the founder and CEO of The Designers Group. We are an international interior design firm focused on projects that have an impact. So we're all about the difference that the designs that we implement make for the people using the spaces. And that's mostly for commercial spaces, is that correct? Yeah, so we'll work on multifamily, but like the building or a development. So we're not working on private homes, but we're doing a lot in the healthcare, senior living, office, hospitality, educational spaces. That's awesome. So, uh, I mean, what are some of the fundamentals that even start out knowing how to be able to make a space feel comfortable when it's an environment like that, you know, especially when you start talking like doctor's offices and stuff, you know, you want them to be clean, but you also would like the people to feel kind of at home versus, you know, sterile and uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's a really good question. And that's something that we've actually put a lot of thought into. So what happens is when we're looking at a space and we want to come up with a design for it, we really look at what the people using the space should feel like inside of that. So specifically when you talk about a doctor's office, we recently worked on a chain of urgent care locations and we approached it from the perspective that when you go to get a facial, it's a luxurious experience, but when you're getting stitches or going for medical treatment, it becomes an anxiety ridden experience. And we really wanted to change that. So we approached it from a spa perspective. And what was really interesting at the grand opening of the first location, I actually heard someone say to someone else like, oh, wow, this looks like a spa. And I walked over to them. I'm like, oh my God, did someone tell you to say that? Because that was literally our intention. We wanted people to come in and want to get the medical treatment that they need and not stay away from going to get treatment because the environment does not encourage people to come in and seek the help that they need. That's so powerful because when you think about it, um, you know, I mean, if you aren't comfortable in the waiting room, which in most doctor's offices are more comfortable than the office itself, um, you know, how great is the rest of the experience going to be? 100%. And it, what, it's not just the waiting room that we worked on. We worked on a template for about 20 locations, but that incorporated the quarter, the staff room, the treatment rooms, the exam rooms, everything. And it's 
it's all about the experience from when you walk through the door, even the nurses and doctors, the uniforms, we made sure that they worked with the branding as well as the exterior. So we really wanted it to be that people are walking in and, and they're excited to get the help that they need. And, and we use that approach really in any of the interiors that we work on because it's so important in whatever space that you're in that you basically are able to show up there. And I believe, and I know my team also does, that the environments that we're in really have an influence on that. So that's why we're so passionate about what we do. And, and we really see the difference that the designs that we work on make for the people using it. Wow, I love that. Um, so you said doctor's offices um, and a whole other list of things. Are doctor's offices your favorite or are there, is there a type that you just, I just really love those doing those kind of buildings? Yeah, so I'm all about the interiors that I believe make an impact. And there's so many different industries that we're in that do. For example, senior living. I remember my grandfather, he had to go to a nursing home at the end of his life and you know, there's such a difference when you're in a positive, happy environment or when you're in a space that feels like you're just going there to kind of never get better. So we worked on skilled nursing facilities, which are long-term, there's a lot of long-term care there. And one of the reasons that I was really passionate about getting into that space was because when I was in high school, I had to do community hours and I was visiting this older woman and she was in a nursing home and that nursing home actually built a new building. So she moved into the new building and I was able to see the difference that being in the new room made. There was a lot of natural light. The bed was not creaking. There were, there was like fresh paint on the wall and that was really when I saw the transformation because as the days were going on, she was getting older, but because she was in this new fresh environment, she really looked like she was getting younger. And that's why we really focus on the senior living space because I was able to see the impact at such a, at a, a much younger age and really believe in the power of design. That is so cool because I'm trying to think if I really know any older person who, you know, like their dream is to get to live in some type of a senior center. I've seen a few of them in ads, but, you know, in reality, I don't know any of the people that are like, oh, yeah, and then I want to go retire to that place because it's like a resort, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Happens to be now because people are aging better and living longer, there is more. I've lost your audio. Hello. Hey, yeah, I I'm, lost you somehow in there. <laughs> sorry, I don't know what happened, but uh, we're 
So if you can just pick up and tell us about uh, the trend, you were talking about the trend in the industry with people getting older. Oh yeah. Okay. First of all, I apologize. I really don't know what happened, but I just called you back from my phone because I think it might've been me. Um, but anyway, so, okay. So let's get back to that. Um, yeah. So as people are aging better and living longer, there definitely is more of an appreciation for the spaces that people will be aging in. And we really see the difference that well thought out spaces can make. And, you know, right now, social isolation is such a big thing, especially among the older population. And that's one key thing that we concentrate on, making sure that the senior living spaces that we design have communal areas where people can get together and socialize. And once they have that social interaction, like the rehabilitation process is just a lot better, a lot easier, and they want to do well. And that's that's really what one of the key things that we're thinking about when looking at senior living facilities. That is, it's just so impressive because I mean, really, I even think about when my mother-in-law was passing and the only thing she didn't want in life was to not have to go into one of those nursing homes. And, you know, she would say it with that disdain, you know, and that's so nice that you can give people, especially in that time when they're not going to come back out of that someplace cool to live. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's not just when it comes to senior living, like my father had surgery a couple of years back and we're sitting in the hospital and he lives in Toronto and in Canada there's socialized medicine so the hospitals don't always have the money to look as beautiful as the care is that they're providing so he was having open heart surgery with a top doctor but because the waiting room was so drab and like you mentioned waiting rooms and because the room itself that he was in recovering in had like a, the blinds wouldn't open and the bed was like shaky because of that, it was just hard to appreciate that the doctor was that high level. And that's one of the, that's something that we always talk about with the owners and operators of healthcare facilities that you want people to be able to appreciate the care that you're giving. You want the care to match the environment because a lot of it is also just the way you feel when you're in a space. So we want anyone who will be using the space to feel like they're getting top care. So like you said, your mother-in-law didn't want to walk into one or didn't want to go to one, but that's probably because she associated it with older drab environments, not about the care that was given there. And especially when they're older, you know, and they've been through that with their parents, uh, you know, you start talking 20, 30 years ago, those were often some pretty horrible facilities. So yeah, I totally get that. So what is your favorite kind of person to work with? I mean, what would, um, if a person's thinking, hey, I like what she's been saying, uh, what, what kind of people should come to you? So we definitely look for people whose vision and mission for their space align with what we're trying to accomplish. 
And that's really just about giving people the best experience in the space. So for example, if we would work on an office space, we want to work with someone who values their employees and wants to give them a great office environment. And that goes across the board. We're working on schools now and we're working with a few different schools and seeing how the board and the people on the back end of the school care so much about the students and really want them to have the, their best educational journey in their school. That's something that we're passionate about and we love when our clients feel the same way. So if somebody wants to work with you, how can they best get in contact with you? We're on every social media platform. So that is one way. They can also go on our website. They can call any of our offices. We have three locations. They can email, really whatever way is best for them. We are here to answer any questions and to add value. And give us the name of your company again and your website, please. The Designers Group. And our website is www.thedesignersgroup.com. Before I let you go, give us um, give us an inspiration. Let us know what uh, having a great space for our clients to come into can do for our business. Well, today's day and age, a lot of people are not going into an office. So we actually came up with something interesting over COVID. We came up with branded virtual backgrounds where even if people are working from home, they still have that professional, that sense of professionalism and they're able to represent the company that they're working for or with. And that's something that were we we put a lot of thought into like what are people trying to showcase when they're bringing other people into their space and that ties into branding and we believe that branding doesn't doesn't just happen when you're in the office it's all about the overall experience that you want to give to people about whatever it is you're providing for them so that's what i would really say to people like if you're bringing people into your office, first of all, the best design really engages all five senses. You wanna make sure that the space looks good and also feels good, but also promotes who and what you are as a brand. I love that so much. Well, I appreciate you and I appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It was great meeting you and chatting with you. And I can't wait to keep the conversation going. Projects that have impact. What are you doing that has an impact on the people that what you do touches? Whether it be like Blima's doing where you make a better environment for folks so that they feel more comfortable, more welcomed, happier, more fulfilled in what they do, or whether it be something else that you're doing, like the others that we talked to, or that uniquely amazing thing that you do in the world, how can you have the maximum impact? 
I know we are all looking for it. We all really want to make such an impactful difference in the world. And often we short sell ourselves. We forget how incredibly amazing we are. And then from that, we don't make the impact that we can make. And I'm here to encourage you today to stop. Take a look in the mirror for a minute and say these words. Those of you that have listened before, you know them. Say to yourself, you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. That's right. The world needs you. And how do we do that? Well, we spend each day living as a thriving entrepreneur, making the maximum impact in the world, that impact that only we can make to make the difference that only we can make so that when people are in our sphere, they end up having the things, learning the things, doing and yes, even being the things that they need to be in order for them to make their maximum impact in the world. Do you see how that goes round and round and comes back around until you eventually get at a place where not only are you having a maximum impact on the people you serve, but it comes back around and it's having a maximum impact on you. And if we all just concentrated on being the best us that we could be while it's called today, we would have an amazing world. There would be so many incredible things that would be happening every day because people would be waking up with just only one thought, and that's how can I be the best version of myself while it's called today. I used that phrase earlier so uh, a couple of days ago with somebody, and they said, what do you mean by while it's called today? I'm like, well, you know, we call today today. Tomorrow we're not going to call today today because tomorrow will be today tomorrow. And that's really deep and confusing for you. But it's important for us to look at today and how powerful it is and then embrace what we can do to make the maximum impact of today. And guess what? I always have to remind people this. Sometimes your maximum impact comes from being kind to yourself and taking a break and getting some rest and hydrating and doing all of the things that make you the powerhouse that you are so that then you can continue showing up. Don't burn the candle at both ends and burn yourself completely out and end up completely depleted and unable to do things because of the fact that you didn't take care of you. Because that, and that's my last suggestion for today, that also is a way to make your maximum impact every day so that you can live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. My name is Steve Kidd. I am a third-generation minister, an international best-selling author of multiple books, and I help people write, publish, and market their books to bestseller. In fact, there are literally thousands of people that have used the system that I created to be able to write, publish, and market their books, and now they're best-selling authors, and you're next. 
I just wanted to come on for a minute, say hi to you, tell you a little bit about me, introduce myself, and tell you, I know the world is waiting on your message, and I would be so honored to be part of sharing your message with the world. Go to AskSteveKid.com and schedule a time to talk today.